Hello and welcome to episode 70 of the Synergen Leadership Podcast. For those of you who are listening for the first time, my name is Julian Carl and I'm the CEO and the co-founder of Synergen Group. I'm passionate about all things leadership and management, so passionate in fact that I decided to start a podcast about it. And here we are in season two and my purpose for the podcast continues to be the same, to raise the standard of leadership. In today's show, I introduce some content around a particular communication model that we use in our face-to-face leadership programs. This is our fifth content episode for season two, and it's also the fifth content episode of our Synergen curriculum ecosystem. So one of the biggest challenges all leaders face is making sure that they are communicating effectively. It is one of the biggest complaints staff have that their managers do not communicate effectively, and is one of the biggest issues that our clients talk to us about. So during the episode, I introduce a straightforward model which looks at the communication process. I explore the importance of being clear on your outcome and importantly, what barriers might get in your way. I discuss why we need to understand who we're delivering the message to and are we crystal clear on what the actual message is. I end the episode with some thoughts around feedback and why it is a vital component of effective communication. So keep listening and and as always, we'd really like to hear your thoughts about the communication model. And if there are any leadership or management ideas or content that you'd like me to explore on the show, please send me through an email or a LinkedIn message. Now on with the show. Happy listening. Welcome to the Synergen Leadership Podcast with Julian Carl. Julian returns in 2019 with weekly conversations with leaders and authors from Australia and around the world, giving you the opportunity to share in their journey and learn from their expertise and knowledge. Julian also shares some of the tools and techniques he uses as a leader, mentor and facilitator, helping you to build your leadership capability and improve your confidence as a leader. Well, it's great to be back again for another Synergen Curriculum Ecosystem episode. And today we're going to be talking about a communication model that we use in our face-to-face leadership programs to show people how they can be more effective communicators and effectively deal with some of the, the, the challenges that come with being a leader because there are a lot of challenges and two of the biggest reasons why people engage Synergen Group to deliver uh, leadership programs is essentially around this idea that communication is a challenge in the business and performance management is a challenge in their business. They're the two big reasons. And so I thought it would be really useful to talk about this communication model, walk you through it. I'm going to ask you to get a pen and and paper handy because I will talk through the, the, the steps and the process that we go through. And as always, once again, I'm going to suggest that if you do like this, just shoot me through an email or hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm happy to send you a copy of the materials that we use when we train this particular model. But essentially what it starts off with is this idea that communication can be defined as the sharing, exchanging or transmission of information between individuals. As a leader, we're going to be thinking about what information do I need to communicate? How am I going to communicate it? What's the best way to communicate it? And the list goes on and on and on. As leaders, we, we, we often find this a challenge. And you'll notice me use the term effective communication a lot. And that's, that's key to this because the whole idea of communicating is that you want to achieve an outcome. And if you're not effective in that, there's no way known you're going to achieve that outcome. So let's get straight into this this model that uh, we've developed at Synergen. And it's basically built around this idea that 
if we want to be effective communicators, there's seven key steps in the process that we need to consider. Now, if we're considering these seven steps, highly likely our communication is going to improve, we're going to be more effective, and we'll start to be able to see an increase in results through our people because they are clearer about what it is you want as a leader. So let's get right into it. The first one is I'm going to suggest that if you want to be a really effective communicator, you need to start with the idea of what's your outcome? What are you really trying to achieve? Sometimes communication can be quite random, but even mindless chat around the weather sometimes serves a purpose as an outcome. It eases an awkward moment. It allows total strangers to find common ground. So I want you to think of the fact that communication is often far less random than we think, and it almost always requires an outcome. And so to help you define your outcome, there's probably six main reasons that communication occurs in the workplace. The first is that you're informing someone of something. The second one is that you're trying to persuade slash influence someone. The third is that you're going to direct someone to do a task. The fourth one is consult in that you need to consult with someone about something within the workplace. The fifth reason why communication often occurs is it's used as a way to build relationships and trust. And the sixth and final reason why we often communicate in the workplace is that we're trying to clarify something. So I'd like you to consider the business objective that underpins the communication activity. What outcome from your communication would help you or the organisation to achieve that business outcome? Now, one of the things that makes communication even more challenging is not only do we need to be clear on the outcome, and we gave you six sort of reasons why we communicate, but we're also communicating to different people. So we're quite often communicating to colleagues. Sometimes we're communicating to peers. And to give you the distinction we use when we talk about colleagues and peers, peers are someone at a peer level, potentially doing the same type of role. Colleagues are people that you are working closely with, but essentially they are doing a different job function. So you might also be talking and communicating with managers, leaders, team members, and they're all internal, but in the workplace, we often have dealings outside of that. So you might have a need to communicate with suppliers. You might have a need to communicate with customers. In some cases, you may have a need to communicate with competitors, industry bodies, the list goes on. So already, if you start to consider that if there are six main reasons why we communicate, and then there are all these different demographics that we're communicating to, no wonder that's quite often a challenge for people. Because the premise that I tend to work with is that as an effective communicator, you need to be able to adapt. You need to be able to change. You need to be able to adopt different styles and different reasons for communicating. And if you think about the complexity that comes just from thinking about this outcome, Already you can see why communication is going to be such a challenge for people in business, in organisations. The second step in the process that we, we talk through is now that we've got clear about our outcome, in other words, what are we trying to achieve with the communication, things are going to come up. And we call these the barriers. And I'm going to give you quite a lengthy list here about potential barriers that can get in your way of being an effective communicator. Now, what's really important here is not all of these are going to apply to you in your workplace. 
It's a very comprehensive list, though, which highlights what could be going on. And if you consider that you're communicating externally to customer, supplier, industry, body, competitor, how do you know that the, these barriers don't exist in their environment? So it's worth taking some time to, to look through these and consider, are these barriers that apply to you? Now, they're going to be different for everyone, but here's a, here's a pretty comprehensive list. The first one is language. So country of origin aside, language is one of the most significant barriers to communication. doesn't matter whether it's about culture, age, region, industry, language unique to themselves always makes it more difficult to communicate if you don't understand that language which is unique to them. So in some cases, you might be perceived as an outsider when you're communicating because you don't speak the language. And the most common one that, that people deal with is what is people's first language? So obviously this podcast is, the origin is Australia, so we speak English here. But what we're finding is that more and more people, English isn't their first language. So we need to consider what language, it's the most common one. Environmental is another barrier that could get in the way. That's uh, where you have external factors such as poorly heated rooms, sound interference, other activities going on around you while you're talking. I don't know about you, but if you've ever worked in an open plan office and you're on the phone and then there's other people all on the phone, it starts to become quite challenging to stay focused and make sure you're communicating effectively. Technology is often another barrier. You know, if you think about the, the rise in people working remotely, AV equipment, lack of technology, people's laptops don't work, the microphones don't work, the cameras don't work, phones don't work, they break down, emails break down, people can't get internet access, whatever it is, technology is playing a much bigger part in how we communicate. And if, it, if we're not savvy with it, if we don't understand it, it's going to be a barrier for us. We can also have organisational barriers. And this is where we don't have clear business objectives. We don't have a, we have a lack of clear delineation of responsibilities, of policies. Uh, the hierarchy isn't clear. Uh, people don't know who they've got to talk to. It just goes on and on and on. And, and you would see that one of the, the benefits of an organisational chart is that it does, in theory, provide a, a flow for the communication. But quite often, it's not seen as that. It's seen as a hierarchy of positional where we can start to shift our thinking just a little and see it as a way of, okay, this is who I need to communicate. But quite often they don't also say what you need to, what specific things you need to communicate to whoever about. So organisational barriers can play a big part in why we don't communicate effectively. It can also be perceptual barriers, that is lack of alignment, uh, that is that there's preconceptions, prejudices, all these things come into play in a workplace, especially if you've got a workplace culture which is potentially combative, if the, the, there's a toxic section within the business, uh, there are challenges going on between different individuals, all of these things can play a part in the perception. The next barrier that I just want to touch base on is physical, in that the person doing the communicating from a, from a speaking point of view, they might be unwell, People might be have hearing issues, people might be vision impaired, there might be deafness, speech problems, all of these things play a part. And we also include geography in this section, and geography is a really important one to consider if you're working in a national business and you have multi-sites, because just as soon as you hit that point of distance, that becomes a challenge when it comes to communication. 
Conflict is also one that uh, raises head quite a lot. If you've got two people that have some form of conflict or two departments, quite often the communication suffers as a result. Sometimes emotions can be a significant barrier for us in that sometimes if we're stressed, anxious, angry, agitated, we're fearful, we're certainly not communicating as well as we could be, we're certainly not in the right position to hear what's going on in terms of what people are trying to communicate or read it. We might interpret things the wrong way. So there's a whole range of factors when it comes to our emotions which are gonna impact us, which are gonna be a barrier. Some people are just not good listeners. Have you ever been in the situation where you've gone to talk to someone and they're still typing away on their laptop, their computer, and they're saying, oh yeah, but I'm listening, but I'm listening. Well, the reality is they're not, or they're still talking, uh, texting on their phone and they look up at you and say, I'm listening, I'm listening. They're not. The reality is we, we, we can't function effectively like that. So some people might just not be listening. And so if you do come across that, I am going to encourage you to consider how can you suggest to that person that you do need their full attention, that what you are saying to them is important. Sometimes time pressures get in the way. You know, people find it difficult to manage time. People find it challenging to work within certain time slots. Some people can't align their time. So time often plays a, a big part in terms of how effective we can communicate and when we can effectively communicate. So there's a pretty comprehensive list of uh, some barriers which can get in your way. And if you do have a pen and paper handy, I'm going to encourage you to consider which ones of those barriers apply to you. Is it language? Is it environmental? Is it geography? Is it physical? Is it attitude? Is it conflict? Is it emotional? Is it listening? Whichever one it is, and I'd like you to think about how you're going to overcome it because it's not enough just to identify the barrier that's getting in your way. It's about how you're going to overcome it. Let me give you an example. So we have a small team here in Synergen where you know eight people and quite often we have people who are working um, anywhere from two days a week to to full-time five days a week. We have people that are flying around the country. We have people that are driving long distances to get to particular training locations. And so one of the barriers to us is being able to get everyone together at the one time. Now, quite often when everyone's together at the one time in the office is a time when I'm personally getting ready to go in the airport. So if I've got something effective, something important that I need to communicate to the team, I'll make sure I get around that barrier by coming into the office, whereas I was originally going to go to the airport, to make sure that I'm communicating that important piece of information. So that's my plan. That's how I overcome it. So in your world, whatever world that is, how do you plan to overcome the barriers that you've identified? So now that we've looked at what the outcome is and what barriers may impact you, I'd like you to consider the receiver. So this is the third step. You need to know your audience. You've got to be thinking, do they have the capacity to influence? Are there any cultural factors pertaining to your audience? What do you know about them? And here's some of the things that I think you should need to know about your audience. First is, what's their preferred method for receiving information? Notice the emphasis on the word their preferred method. Because quite often as leaders, we have our preferred methods, whether it be people like to send emails out or they like to pick up the phone and talk or they like to go and see people face to face. 
I'm going to encourage you to think about what's their preferred method of receiving information. Do they like to receive the email? Do they like to receive the personal call? These are all questions we need to think about when it comes to our receivers. I'd like you to think about are they internal or external? So obviously this is an important one because your language may change, your delivery may change, your message may change. And also we need to be cognizant of the fact that they might not have the same level of understanding about whatever it is you're communicating than you do. And I often use this uh, as an example in the leadership programs I run is that I'm across all the education jargon whereas every business, every industry has its jargon. And so quite often it takes me a little bit of time to get familiar with the jargon that my clients are using. Now, if I can get familiar with that, I can communicate more effectively. It's a pretty simple equation. And this comes from the idea of needing to know what's the internal language that any business has, because we all have them, and what, what language do we also have within that industry sector. Also, like you think about what's their ability or their authority level to deliver the outcome you want. So if you're talking to a a senior person, are they the right person to be able to deliver the outcome you want? If you're talking to uh, someone at a lower level, are they the right person to deliver the outcome? I'd like you to think about are they from your industry? Because again, it gets back to familiarity with jargon. I'd like you to think about their level of technical or academic knowledge. And this is an interesting one because if you use very academic language to an audience, to people that aren't very academically orientated, you're going to, you may be perceived as being arrogant, out of touch, over the top. And likewise, if you use very uh, different type of language to high-level academics, they may not necessarily take you seriously. So it's important to try to get a sense of what's their technical or academic knowledge levels. I'd like you to think about how familiar they might be with a specific subject. So if someone's familiar with it, you don't need to go into the whole background. But you can launch straight into the communication piece that you need to. I'd like you to consider what do they need or want from the communication? What do they need or want? And this gets to the idea that uh, communication is a two-way street that it is an exchange of information. And so as a result, are you clear about what they want from it? And one of the biggest things that often gets in the way when we, we start looking at who are we delivering the communication to is, have you left anyone out? Have you included everyone that needs to know or should be included in the comms piece that you're running? And quite often, when, when you look at larger organisations with multi-sites, it becomes harder and harder to catch everyone and quite often you'll have that, that vocal person that, that hasn't received the information they required or needed or that everyone got, and they'll make sure that you know about it. So I'd really like you to consider, have you left anyone out when it comes to your, your comms? Fourth step in our communication process model is being clear around your message. And this is an interesting one because there's lots of different ways to deliver your message, but I want to give you a template I want to give you a framework which is will help you organise the narrative of your message. Because I'd like you to think about it from the perspective of the receiver. You know in your head exactly what you want to communicate and what you do as a result of that is you potentially leave out critical details which the person who you're communicating to isn't familiar with. 
So then that person asks you for more details. So you have to go away and prepare more detail and then go back to them again and communicate more effectively. And then they have more questions and goes back again. So what I'm suggesting in this with this narrative template is that this should start to alleviate some of that. This should start to position you as though you've given this major comms piece the right amount of depth of thought, that it's well considered, and it's going to allow you to make an intelligent and informed decision. So it starts with this. First step, and this is where I think it's useful to get your pen and paper handy. First step is you need to describe what the situation is. This way you need to provide some context. Is it relevant to certain people? Is it on a certain shift? Does it relate to a particular customer? Provide some context. Second step is I want you to explain why that's important. What's important about the context? Are we potentially uh, got a situation with one of our customers that aren't happy and that customer accounts for a certain percentage of our overall revenue? So you're starting to take the context and you're starting to highlight to the person you're communicating to why that's important. Third step, I want you to consider to explain why you know this. Why do you know this? And this is where you start to take that context, you've explained why it's important, and then why you know. And it could be that you've done a little bit of research. It could be that you've had a customer complaint. It could be that you've been looking at the, the performance data and you've noticed something. Why do you know this? The fourth step is what you'd like to achieve. So as a result of knowing the context and why it's important, how you know it, what do you want to achieve? Do you want to achieve an increase in something? Do you want to uh, make sure that you have that customer have an increase in repeat business, the list could go on, but what are you hoping to achieve? And then this is where the key bit comes in, the solution. Because you've spent some time working on this narrative, you're now at the point where the person's thinking, geez, this is, this is an issue, we need to deal with this, geez, what's going on? And then suddenly you're providing them with a solution because you've obviously demonstrated you've well thought out this solution and you deliver whatever your solution is. Then, but there's more. You don't just deliver the solution and walk away. You ask your audience too, well, can I have your approval to go ahead and do this? Do I have your approval to take it to the next stage? Do I have your approval? Will you sign the check? Will you give me the money? It doesn't matter what particular approval you're asking for, but you want want them to do something. And then the final step is you're going to clarify and confirm their intention. So you can say, okay, great, you've given me the the approval to go ahead, this is what I'm going to do, I'm going to go away and I'm going to make this happen. And essentially, what you should see as a result of this narrative is less backwards and forwardsing between people, trying to get relevant information, trying to understand the context of the story. And what you're doing, you're positioning yourself as the person that's considered all this, it's well thought out, it's well considered, and then you deliver it in the right way. And I think when you do that, when you follow this narrative process, it gives you a really clean and simple structure. And for those of you that are, that are highly ambitious, that want to get somewhere in your careers, I'm going to encourage you to consider the point that you need to be positioning yourself as the logical alternative, the logical alternative to the person that's there now, the logical alternative to some outsider, the logical candidate for when this role arises, we just need to move you into that role. And the way you do that is you play at a higher level. You demonstrate 
that you're already playing at that higher level. And my experience tells me, working with thousands of leaders, that leaders do not do that. They do not look at how does the next level play and how do I play in that area. It's a very, very challenging thing to do because you've also got to deal with your peers and and the people that report to you, but at least start in your comms playing at that level and trying to reduce the amounts of backwards and forwards in. Because what this narrative will give to you in the eyes of your manager is that, oh, suddenly you are presenting information in a different way which takes all the guesswork out of it and suddenly turns into a yes or a no type conversation. So that's the narrative. You start with outlining the situation, you then explain why it's important, you tell them why you know this, you tell them what you're wanting to achieve, you tell them what the solution is, you ask them for what you need from them, and you close the loop by saying, this is what we are now going to do. Very, very, very effective way of building a narrative. So now we have the fifth element, which is the medium. And look, this is a really interesting one because like never before have we had the sheer volume of choice when it comes to different ways to communicate. hundred years ago, leaders couldn't communicate via email. They couldn't communicate via text, by phone, traditionally. It was all face-to-face. They'd be communicating via handwritten letters that were posted in the mail if they had a big business. And now we've got this amazing choice. And so these are some of the things we need to remember. First of all, there's only two forms of direct communication. First is face-to-face, either one-on-one or one-on-many. And the second is on the phone, because at least you can hear voice tone on the phone. But these are some of the things to consider. What's the purpose of the communication? So it gets back to that idea of, is it to inform, persuade, instruct, consult, build relationships, trust? What's the nature of a message? Is it something highly emotional? Is it just an idea? What's, what's the nature of the message? Do you require a response? Who's going to receive the message directly? Who's going to receive the message indirectly? How much information do you need to give? Does the message need to be recorded? Is the message confidential? How many people need to receive the message? How quickly is information required? So these are a whole lot of questions we need to consider. You know, perfect example. Most people in a leadership role would suggest that you don't terminate someone via email or via text. It's not appropriate. It's not the right way to do something. Yet email is a very good way of broadcasting the company newsletter to everyone in the business. So it's perfect for that. So this is where the medium becomes really important. And what we find now is that people are more and more starting to stop that interpersonal type communication, either face-to-face or phone, and they're very much relying on text and email in particular, especially in corporate world. Email is just, there are that many emails being sent around, and we spend that much time in our inbox, either deleting, storing, printing, saving, whatever we're doing, because people are all leaning towards email as the go-to And quite often people will openly admit that I send an email because I'm covering my butt, because I need a record that I've communicated. Well, an email is not communication because quite often you don't know if someone's read it, you don't know if someone's deleted it, you don't know if someone's actually digested it. And look, you can put read receipts on and all those things and notifications when it's deleted, 
there's always ways around that. So I'd really like you to consider what's the right type of medium. And if you're the leader that is really wanting to influence, that is really wanting to lead, I'm going to encourage you to get very comfortable with communicating face-to-face in the context of one-on-group. And that's things like delivering your toolbox meetings, delivering your shift meetings, delivering your finance meetings, delivering uh, your performance meetings, whatever it is, getting comfortable in front of a range of people, a group of people, is an important part because what it also does is it builds your confidence and builds your capability for when you need to present to middle managers and higher managers and CEOs and board members because that is what it takes for you to climb the corporate ladder. You need the ability to be able to present your message. So now that we've given you the narrative format, now you're thinking about what the best way to deliver that narrative is. So now we get to the sixth step in the process, and that is taking a look at yourself. And that is thinking about how can you establish your credibility with your audience? How can you be confident in your purpose and your message? And always making sure that you're courteous and respectful. I'm going to take this section of the the podcast in a, in a bit of a direction around, for example, public speaking. Quite often, it's it's one of the things which people do not like to do. It's one of the things which are absolutely required if you're going to be a leader of people. And I'd like you to think about the first thing there is what's going to make you confident in front of a group of people. And there's always different scenarios which which trip people up. For some people, it's the hierarchy of the audience in the room. For some people, it's the role set of the people in the room, whether they know them or not. Uh, For other people, it's the number of people in the room. They're quite comfortable talking to 10 to 50, but when you put them in front of four, 500, they suddenly don't have that same level of confidence. So I think it is important to consider what makes you confident. I am gonna suggest you start with the basic stuff, and that is looking at how you dress and how you wear your hair and all those things and what makes you feel the most confident in all that respects. I've had some people say to me, oh, that's all the superficial stuff. Well, I don't believe it is. I believe it's something which all of us have, whether we admit it or not. We all have our favourite clothes. We all have our favourite, we've all made a decision on how we do our hair or makeup, whatever it is. So I want you to start there. What are the clothes that make you feel good? Make sure you wear them. I'd like you to be thinking about how can you practice and rehearse the content you know, because most people will say to me that they're more comfortable when they are familiar with the content. And quite often, that's what you are expected to present, and that is content that you're familiar with, content that uh, you should know. And I'd also like you to think about uh, this idea of how you answer questions. So I, I could spend I could spend a long time talking about this side of things in terms of you you as the sender of communication. But I want to finish on this bit about how you answer questions. So if you are running a session which is one on group, for example, there's a number of options you have available to you. If someone asks you for a personal insight or a personal question, you can always have the choice of answering it from your personal perspective. Someone asks you a question that uh, you, you, you think is a good one for the room, to consider, you can always suggest something like, that's a great question, let's see what the rest of the room thinks. What that does is that actually encourages engagement in the room, people start to express their views, people get complimentary views, and it can be a great way of engaging people and creating robust conversation. The other option you got is you can put it back to the person and say, well, if you did know the answer to that, what do you think it might be? 
It's a standard common coaching question that people use. And what it does is it takes them out of the present into the future and enables them to imagine what a solution, what an answer might be. So I think it's always good to think about how you're going to answer questions. And if you do come across something which is a really curly one and you don't know the answer to, I don't believe there's any value in trying to pretend. I think there's far more value in saying, look, you know what, that's a really interesting question. I actually don't know. What I will do is find out for you and I'll get back to you. And so what we always suggest people to do is the obvious thing, make sure you get back to that person, whoever it may be, with the with the answer to their question. So three key things. I mean, it could be so many more when it comes to presenting to groups, but three key ones for today. Uh, do whatever it takes so you feel more confident. Make sure you have the opportunity to practice or rehearse. And then third one is make sure that you've got some sort of process, some system, some idea, some model for how you're going to answer questions. Because what you don't want to happen is that it just suddenly becomes people asking questions all the time, you're answering them all the time, takes you off topic, off direction. The people that aren't answering, aren't asking the questions are getting upset because they're not keeping up with the presentation and we don't want that to happen. So if you can know how to answer them and know how to move the room on, you're going to be in a much better position. And look, the final stage in our communication model here is this idea of you want to close it out by making sure you've got some feedback. You want to make sure that they have the opportunity to clarify their understanding of your message. You need to clarify that they understood your message. Do you need to confirm that they can and will undertake your call to action? And feedback can also be a really useful uh, point in the process to resolve or de-escalate any conflict that comes up. So I want to give you five main reasons why feedback is important in the communication piece. The first is it completes the whole process of communication and makes it continuous. As a leader, this is a never-ending journey for you. You're going to be on it forever as soon as you step into leadership. And so it does complete the process and then allows you then to move on to the next communication piece. What it does is it sustains the communication process, keeps it going. If there's a constant feedback cycle going, that means communication is constantly going. And if that's happening in an organisation, in a team, that's basically positioning that team in a much better light, a much their ability to deliver results is going to be that much more because there's a clear communication process which is ongoing and sustainable. Feedback's also a wonderful way for measuring the effectiveness of communication. Quite often, uh, let's see if this scenario plays true with you. I work with a lot of organisations, particularly at the frontline level and in industrial environments, and one of the most common things that happens is shift leaders, shift managers will do some form of meeting at the start of the shift, uh, quite often called a toolbox, they will give them some information and importantly, they will ask the people who attend that to sign an attendance form. The reason they sign the attendance form is almost as though there's some uh, opportunity for them to prove that they have effectively communicated something. I bet in many, many, many cases that if I went to those people that signed that attendance form at the start of shift and I went to them four to five to six hours later and said, what was the main communication piece? So I don't know, 
I said, but you signed the form. I oh, yeah, I can't remember, or I wasn't listening, or I wasn't paying attention. I was talking to someone else. So it's a really effective way of making of measuring the effectiveness of communication. Another reason why feedback is so important is it's a good basis for planning what is to be done next. It allows to have that dialogue, say, okay, well, what do we need to do next? It allows us to keep business going, to keep relationships going, to keep performance levels up where they need to be because we are constantly talking, we're constantly giving feedback and we're constantly closing this loop. And the final reason why feedback is such an important part of the whole communication piece is that it's a, it's a way to generate ideas. You communicate what you need to communicate, you're in the process of getting some feedback about that and someone throws out a new idea that you hadn't quite thought of. It's a great opportunity for you to think, wow, hadn't thought of that, let's, uh, let's dig into that a little bit deeper, let's see how that might work, let's explore that. And as soon as you start to do that, ideas start to generate and it starts to, in some ways, change the nature of relationships, change the way teams function if ideas are constantly being generated and explored. So there you have it. There is the seven elements of effective communication according to our model. I'll just recap for you. First is getting clear about the outcome. Second is getting clear about what barriers you face. The third is who are you communicating to. The fourth is what's your message. The fifth is medium. What's the medium for communicating the message? Six is all about you. And seven is about closing the loop by feedback. So it's a very effective model for making sure that you've got some effective communication going at work. And, and I will say this, this is around the idea of a formal communication channel, obviously. I'm a big believer that as leaders we need a formal process and we need an informal process. The formal process is through meetings and emails and structure and the informal is through all those hallway conversations, those hey, how's it going conversations. And I think if you're hitting the mark in both of those, you're gonna be a much more effective communicator and you're gonna be a much more powerful leader and you're gonna get wherever it is you wanna get to. So on that note, I'm gonna sign off on this curriculum ecosystem episode of the Synergen Podcast. As always, really love to hear what you think. Bye for now. Well, that wraps up episode 70 of the Synergen Leadership Podcast, another Synergen Curriculum Ecosystem episode for you. I'd like to encourage you to head on over to the Synergen Group website and engage in the conversation with us. Tell us what you liked about the episode, tell me who you'd like me to interview, or tell us what sort of content you'd like us to deliver. And if you are an iPhone user, please feel free, head on over to the Apple site, leave us a review, really does help us build awareness of the podcast. In next week's episode, I speak with Ashley Alsady, who is the founder of Promo Donna, a Melbourne-based sales firm dedicated to getting results for their clients. It's another great business leader episode. We have lots of fun in the conversation. So until then, we'd really love to hear what you think and happy listening.